Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren. You can find me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can find Union Street Hoops on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Pods, Google Pods, and the award-winning NWI.com. Thanks for being here, everybody, and I'm grateful to be back here. It's been a little bit. It's been about a month, as a matter of fact, since we had an episode of Union Street Hoops. Um, you know, kind of evaluating how I want to go forward with this, I will tell you that I've got a, uh, I've got some good stuff planned for the next week in terms of the podcast, um, but just trying to figure out kind of where the podcast fits, how it goes, um, not having a co-host, you guys know that has been uh, has been kind of difficult, and sometimes it's just me sitting there ranting. I like when I can get some guests on. Uh, I do have Wyatt Wheeler, who covers Missouri State, going to be joining in a little bit um, to talk a little bit about the first round of Missouri Valley Conference, some expansion things, where Missouri State fits into that, uh, a little bit about Donovan Clay, and uh, kind of some of our, our thoughts about... Uh, the obvious natures of the Missouri Valley Conference and the way that people always make sure they let us know that Larry Bird went to school at Indiana State like uh, like we'd forgotten. Um, Wyatt and I have a good time. I, I really enjoy Wyatt. I really enjoy a lot of the reporters that cover, I mean, really all of the reporters, not just some of them, uh, that cover the Valley. I do want to say uh, kind of uh, officially farewell to Todd Hefferman, who covered Southern Illinois and who ultimately is uh, pivoting away from journalism and to do uh to do some a sales job always enjoyed todd great guy uh fun to see him at games and a really passionate reporter uh for what he did you know we've we've lost a lot of guys uh out of the valley even in the short time that valpo's been around reporters that have uh have been there they uh uh, Dave and Kirk, the guys at, uh, at Bradley, they, uh, they both have, have kind of stepped away, um, retired, uh, Dave Reynolds, really one of my favorite people to be around. And again, someone who just had passion for doing this. Um, I had a chance to see Todd Golden the other day. I'll reference this on the podcast. He was in Valpo for the Indiana state NIVC match. It was great to see him for a little bit. And I look forward to seeing him in January as well as I look forward to seeing some of the other guys that are out there, Wyatt, Jim Benson, and just a couple of the other really good reporters that are out there. Uh, it's a good fraternity to be a part of. I enjoy seeing all these guys. Um, but also it's a bit of a bummer when, uh, you know, last year we couldn't see them as much. And, and, uh, also just the way the industry is turning and, and, uh, less and less coverage opportunities for a variety of reasons. And, and again, there's a lot of, uh, inner reckoning that I've got to do with myself to figure out the, the, the future of this podcast and the future of, of, of everything. So to that end, let's talk about some Valpo basketball. It's been eight games and, uh, what do we know now about Valpo that we didn't know at the beginning of the season? Well, I think every player out there comes with some questions and also has come with some answers, some, some new revelations, right? Um, you know, looking at a guy, uh, you know, one of the guys that that we we figured would take a big leap this year, Sheldon Edwards, has done so uh, a bit offensively. Although, you know, he has taken eighty eight shots so far. He's only shooting thirty six percent. The offense has not necessarily been where we all thought it might be with Sheldon Edwards. He does, you know, again, he's only shooting thirty six percent from the floor. Now he's shooting thirty two percent from the three point line and under 70% from the free throw line. Um, Where he has really taken a jump, though, has been his defense. He has 15 blocks, which is already double 
what he had last year, and it's nearly half the the amount that the team has. The team's got 32 blocks. He's got 15 of them. He also has 11 steals right now. Uh, And so Sheldon Edwards has turned into an excellent defensive player, uh, albeit with some struggles on the offensive end. Now there are games when he is electric and there are games when, when he is not. And, uh, but defensively he has been very, very good. Look at a guy like Trevor Anderson, who is, is averaging 11 and a half points a game and has become a steadying force. You know, he looked really good against Stanford had a couple of good games in the Bahamas. And, uh, and then he looked good at times against Drake, you know, the first half, he didn't do much second half. He, he shined and, Here's a guy who is uh, shooting about 35% from the three-point line. He's 94% from the free-throw line. And he is second on the team in rebounds with 5.8 rebounds already. Um, now, he's got 44 defensive rebounds, which is seven more than Kithier. He leads the team in defensive rebounds. So his defense has, has, has been well, has been, been doing well. 18 assists to seven turnovers. Now, one of the things that Valpo has struggled to do is defend the three-point line. You know, now opponents are shooting 35% from the three-point line. They've knocked down 64. Valpo has knocked down 63, although Valpo has taken uh, something like uh, like 17 more three-point attempts. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, again, Kevian Taylor is another guy who he's shooting 35% from the three-point line. Um, you know, Valpo as a team is shooting 32%. Kevian Taylor, is, as a matter of fact, uh, it's interesting to kind of read the uh, – the the internet and read the message boards and read the Twitter about that, about Kevion Taylor as a guy who, um, you know, he's averaging 10 and a half points a game. He's one of five guys in double figures for Valpo. And at the same time, it's like you see some people are saying he needs to play more minutes, less minutes. He shouldn't be shooting as much. He's a complimentary piece. Uh, I saw Alec Peters at the season opener. I think it was against Toledo. I think that was the game that I saw him at. And, or, or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was a Toledo game. And, uh, and he said to me, he goes, he goes, Kevion Taylor is a player. He needs to think of himself as the go-to score, not a complimentary piece. Uh, just kind of an interesting way to look at it. A couple of the other players that have been primarily in the starting lineup. Um, you look at, uh, at Aaron Gordon, who just has not added anything offensively in terms of scoring, right? He's got 17 points in 180 minutes. Um, but, you know, when I asked him before they went to the Bahamas about that, and and he said, maybe it's not my role to score. Now he's shooting 27% from the floor, 27% from the three-point line. He's gotten to the free throw line one time, but he does have four and a half rebounds a game. He does have 11 assists. He does have four steals. He's doing a lot of the other things that are out there, but he's just not bringing anything offensively to the game right now. And, and that becomes an interesting question about where this team goes. Now, when Kobe King becomes eligible in a couple games, uh, you know, it's and, and, and they've got really one more game without Kobe King, then here we go. You know, this is it, it's, it's go time. And, and where does Kobe King fit into this lineup? That becomes a very big question, right? Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, what that's going to bring, what the future is going to bring for, for Kobe King and what that'll mean for minutes-wise for Aaron Gordon. What will that mean for minutes-wise for Kevion Taylor? What will that mean for minutes-wise for Connor Barrett, Keandre Young, to bring in another player here? And I want to talk about Keandre Young for a second because there was a time when it looked like he was going to redshirt 
And now because of the injury to Cricky, Keandre Young got an opportunity to get in there and he has had some ups and downs, right? Um, he's averaging under 10 minutes a game. He's got 29 points. You know, he obviously, you take out some of the stuff against Trinity Christian, but, you know, Young does look like he's got flashes where he can make some good plays. And there are other times when Keandre Young and Trey Woodyard, the freshman, they look like the game is very fast out there for them. I think it'll be a process. And one of the interesting things about playing this Drake game early, and we'll talk with Wyatt about putting in the new uh, early season conference game, is it really kind of forces you to shorten your rotation quicker and 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 take a look at kind of how you're going to structure things out. In that game, I mean, Valpo didn't play that many guys. I mean, if you look at at their minute breakdown, I mean, they really played seven guys. And Connor Barrett played three minutes, came in with a three trillion. Keandre Young came in, missed a three-pointer, had a foul. He came in late in the game, too. And then Trey Woodyard came in for a one trillion, played for one minute. And that was it. So they played seven guys. Now you get Kobe King in there. Now you're going to play eight guys. But where's Connor Barrett, who has started a game this year? You know, and, and here's a guy who coming back off the injury, um, you know, but he is maybe it's rust, maybe whatever it might be. I mean, you put him out there against Trinity Christian. He went one of seven from the three-point line. He just tried to shoot himself out of it and just couldn't get there. Again, in that game, you saw Keandre Young. He had 13 points. Um, but now I want to get to the two players that really the season has kind of revolved around so far, and that's Ben Cricky and Thomas Kithier. Revolved around Cricky in both his absence and his presence. First three games of the year, Toledo, UIC, Stanford, Cricky not out there. Stanford, it was a bad game. You put Cricky out there against Toledo or UIC, I think Valpo wins. And I really wish that Valpo would have knocked off Coastal Carolina so you could have seen Valpo play Toledo with Cricky. That would have kind of showcased some things. But Cricky, in the five games he's played, is averaging 17 and a half points a game. Um, He's not getting a terrible amount of rebounds. And last night, I'm recording this on Friday afternoon, last night against Drake, Cricky looked gassed for a lot of the game, right? And or, or this, especially in the second half, and and it just looked like, man, what you know, it's again conditioning and, and the ankle and being out and everything. Um, he's going to round back into shape as well. Thomas Kithier is a guy who was a world beater without Cricky on the floor and has been kind of more of a complimentary piece once Cricky has come back. Interesting to see these two guys kind of play with each other uh, and, and how it's worked. And and they have not, I mean, it's been, you know, I have to look at all the minute breakdowns, but it, it's not like they've been married to each other on the floor. A lot of it has been kind of spacing out lineup rotations to have at least one of those guys on the floor at all times. Um, interesting to see kind of how this will continue to evolve. Kithier shooting 63% from the floor, uh, is also shoot, excuse me, he's shooting 62.5% from the floor and 62.5% from the free throw line and 6.6 rebounds a game. Um, he also leads the team with 19 assists early before the games even started the season. I asked Cricky about playing with Kithier and he said he's such a high IQ guy that he sees everything. He also has 21 turnovers. Valpo has 93 turnovers this year, as do their opponents, 40 of them have come from Kithier and Kevion Taylor. Now, they've handled the ball more than anybody else, but they are the only guys on the team in double-digit turnovers, and they Kithier's got 21, Taylor's got 19. So Valpo has turned the ball over. 
Valpo's also getting out-rebounded um, by, uh, by about two rebounds a game. Um, and, you know, one of the things that just is standing out to me, too, is yesterday I looked and watched this game and, against Drake, and I went back to rewatch this, the, the first half today, and, and Valpo had four assists on 27 made field goals. Now, part of that is because they were able to get to the basket, get the ball inside to Cricky and let him do some work. And so that's where they scored a lion's share of their points in the paint. But, uh, I mean, you got to distribute the ball better. And a lot of that is you got to shoot three-pointers better. And Valpo shooting just 32% from the three-point line, uh, whereas their opponents are shooting 35%. Um, Valpo's only gotten to the free throw line 108 times. Their opponents have gotten to the free throw line 23 more times at 131, and they've made 12 more free throws. So again, I'm just kind of looking at all these different numbers here to try to figure out where they're at. Valpo's three and five. I think if if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, ask me about these first eight games, I would have said Toledo and UIC were were wins. Stanford was a loss. The Coastal Carolinas, who they're supposed to play in the opener, and I thought that was going to be a coin flip. Um, and then they got rearranged because Abilene Christian had to drop out of that tournament. And I figured that Valpo against Jacksonville State, because they were 0-3 to start the year, I thought that might actually turn into a loss. And uh, Valpo pulled that one out. And then I thought, okay, well, they did that. I think they'll probably beat Coastal Carolina. And they fell short in that one. And then I was sure they were going to lose to Tulane, and Valpo wins that one. Um, and then I, I was sure they were going to probably fall at Drake. That's a tough place to play. So I think coming in, you know, to these first eight games, I envisioned Valpo probably being five and three as opposed to being three and five. And I think if you put Cricky out there for those first two games, I think Valpo is five and three instead of three and five. So I know there's been a lot of sky is falling talk about Valpo and there's been a lot of uh, uh, questions about the team. I think they're pretty close to where we thought they might be. Right, they won two out of three in a decent tournament in the Bahamas. They beat their non D one like they're supposed to, um, and really, it's those the Toledo and the UIC games that really stand out to me as as kind of the 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 question marks. But again, they didn't have Ben Cricky for those first two games, and they didn't have Kobe King either, and they didn't have Kobe King against Drake uh, this season. And and I know that I'm going to get just drilled for saying this, but this season in a vacuum does feel like a little bit of a work in progress. Now, I know that Valpo fans don't want to hear that, and I'm kind of sick of saying it, to be honest with you, because I'm I am kind of done with the work in progress garbage, right? But that's what it's what it is, right? You it at some point you want Valpo to turn into a team like Drake that has got a group of guys that played together for a long time. And I don't know how, if that's going to be a rarity now to see that w- the, the Drakes and the Missouri States and the Northern Iowas and the Loyolas of the world, I guess it's not a rarity when 40% of the conference brings back all these guys. You know, when Valpo was making their runs to the NCAA tournament, obviously it was a different era of college basketball. That's to be understood. But, you know, even with the Alec Peters group, they brought in a group that grew together with Peters and Jabril Atacoya and Lexus Williams and Matt, uh, you know, uh, or the group before that with, with Brokoff and Matt Kenny and, and then the transfers they brought in, but multi-year transfers that they had, um, you know, Vashiel was in there. They grew together. They got to play multiple years together. And Valpo just hasn't really had that opportunity to do that. 
And I don't know that they're going to get that opportunity with the current roster the way it's set up. Obviously, that's the idea of getting Keandre Young on the court now and getting him out there with Sheldon Edwards and getting some of these younger guys some time. But, you know, Kithier will be here for another year and Kobe King may be here for another year and Cricky will be here for another year. And, and, and so you I guess you'll see this grow together. But you know, and, and then as I say all that, I look at a team like Northern Iowa that has played together for a long time and they lost their opener in Valley play to a team, a Bradley team that has thrown some pieces together here. And Missouri State lost their opener to an Illinois State team that has thrown some pieces together. And so I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's way early, way, way early to kind of hang the results of the opening week of conference play as an indictment of anything. But, uh, you know, and, and now Valpo's going to have another handful of games before conference play really starts. They got a bit of a preview of it. At Western Michigan is a game they should win. This is a game that Valpo should win, right? And then what I think is a really important stretch for Valpo, really, really important stretch here, is the next six games are all at home for Valpo, which means they don't have to go anywhere and they get to not only concentrate on playing games but they get a lot of practice time so tuesday they're going to play east west university and that game will be done and then they then they they ramp up for charlotte and then they got final exams for a week and then they come back the the you know they get a nine-day break where they get to deal with finals and then they got eastern michigan a game that valpo should win and then they get william and mary that's a game that Valpo should win. And then they get Prairie View A&M at home, and that's a game that Valpo should win. So the Western Michigan game on the road will be Valpo's third true road game of the year. They're 0-2 in their first two at Stanford, at Drake. Valpo should, should beat a Western Michigan team that hasn't been very good this year. And then Valpo will serve, I mean, East-West University, fine. They'll get Kobe King back for that, ease him into the lineup. And then the Charlotte game. Charlotte would be a tough game. And then you should beat Eastern Michigan, you should beat William & Mary, you should beat Prairie View A&M. Valpo, in theory, right, as you look at the next six games that they have, they got six remaining non-conference games. Valpo should, at worst, be 4-2, and two, if not 5-1. and one. And there's a possibility for Valpo to run the table here. Anything short of 4-2 and two feels like a problem. Okay, maybe they lose at Western Michigan because of the fact that that's a road game and, and you know, road games are road games. Um, and then Charlotte could be tough. But I got to think Valpo's going to win these other games. And, now, you know, I'll also tell you, I haven't done a ton of research on Eastern Michigan, William & Mary, Prairie View, and AM, But home games, around the holidays, I feel like these are games that Valpo should win. And then that'll ramp up to January 2nd when Illinois State comes to town for the conference opener. And so I think Valpo has got a good stretch of games coming up here where they can stack success, where they should be able to, to illustrate that their talent is starting to gel together. They're playing well together. Matt Loddick the other day, I asked him about playing Drake, and he said, look, the reality is it's December 1st. That's when I interviewed him on Wednesday. He said, it's December 1st. And he goes, are we a better basketball team than we were a month ago? Absolutely. And he said, and will, will, will we be a better team in January, absolutely. And so now it's the process of, of, of getting to that point. So uh, to that end, this is the last Kobe King-free 
uh, podcast that we're going to do because uh, he'll be back. Uh, looking forward to seeing um, Malik McMillan on Sunday, Valpo at Western Michigan. Should be a great uh, kind of a, a great reunion there, Valpo at Western Michigan. Um, and then next week, let me tell you, next week I got some fun planned for you. Uh, one podcast topic that's going to come that has been years in the making. I'm just going to say that the, the the guests not necessarily years in the making, but the topic in and of itself years in the making. So really looking forward to that. And then a week from today, December 10th, right now, on the schedule, an amazing amazing podcast is coming up a week from today. I can't wait to share it with you. I can't wait to be part of it. It's going to be it's going to be fun. A week from today, December 10th, huge Union Street hoops coming. That's all I'm going to say for right now. Wet your appetite a little bit. I'll throw it over to Wyatt Wheeler. Um, I just, I like Wyatt. You know, Valpo doesn't play Missouri State for uh, until January 15th. So a long time from now, but much like Valpo, having some struggles and, and having some people kind of being frustrated about it. Missouri State's in the same boat right now. And, uh, and and I wanted to talk to Wyatt about that. So here you go. Thank you all for listening. We got Wyatt and then, uh, then we're going to fade to black and I will catch you all next week. All right. We've got Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader here. Wyatt covers Missouri State. Uh, Wyatt, one Missouri Valley Conference game in the books for everybody. Um is the sky falling in Springfield, Missouri State? Oh, you would think you would think so. Good lord, man! It's uh, everybody's turning on each other. Fans are fighting with fans. Fans are fighting. Uh, our players are calling fans out, and uh, that's what a lost Illinois State will do to you. The first place <laughs> Illinois State Redbirds, might I add? So uh, that, that's uh, <laughs> the sky is definitely falling at a four and three record at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's overreaction. I don't know what day people are going to listen to this, so we'll just say overreaction Monday because that's what we do in the NFL. And uh, and you know, I I'm a Packer fan, as you know, and um, they got their butts handed to them in Week One, and everyone said they were finished. Um, Justin Fields threw for one yard, one total yard in his first start, and everyone said he was a bust. And um, I dare say the Packers are fine, and I dare say that Justin Fields is going to be just fine. Um, I guess, uh, you know, all the other non-conference stuff, and we'll get into it in a second, but but uh, I saw your tweet, which is why I wanted to reach out to you. Like, what what's what's the temperature? I mean, people are just throwing barbs at each other on Twitter right now? Oh, man. I mean, it's uh, they want Dana fired right now to save the season. Uh, just a few months after he signed a two-year uh, contract extension that keeps them here for the next uh, four years now. So, I mean, uh, I don't think that's going to happen at the moment. Um, and, and then uh, a player tweeted out bandwagoners. And uh, that was uh, one of the guys that comes, that's one of the uh, uh, preferred, walk, that's one of the walk-on guys at the end of the bench. And then uh, he tagged Isaiah Mosley in it. And Isaiah Mosley tweeted back in an agreement. So, I mean, you have your best player agreeing that, Missouri State fans are bandwagoners. Um, you have uh, Melvin Ebon Coley. He's on the Bears. He's a Bears sophomore. Um, was a surprise that he wasn't redshirting this year because all the other sophomores are. He's not. He's not going to get that much playing time. Hasn't played a minute yet um, since deciding he's not going to redshirt. Um, when Missouri State's official Twitter account tweets out uh, the final score of the Illinois State loss. 
here comes uh, Ebon Coley's family's Twitter account that uh, just tweets in all caps, karma. Um, so, I mean, you got family turning against Missouri State. You got the fan base starting to turn. You got some players that are that are upset with uh, some fan stuff. Um, and then, uh, so it, it's, it's, and they're four and three. Uh, each of these losses have been by five points or less. Um, and if a few bounces go their way, they could go, they could be undefeated at this point, but, uh, those are three teams they probably should have beaten the first place. So that's, uh, it's getting weird in Springfield and, uh, I, and they play BYU, uh, coming up and then they play South Dakota state. One of the better mid majors, they go to, uh, St. Mary's. And you get Oral play. Roberts. You get the you get Max, uh, and you get Oral Roberts, a Sweet Sixteen team with one of the best players in the country coming in. So um, it can go from bad right now to even worse when you start looking at the schedule in the weeks ahead. This December is going to be a tough month. When Dana's coming off in November, where he said, "I think this November got us ready to play this December," um, and then they go. Uh, choke a nine, nine, a late nine point lead against uh, the team picked to finish last in the Valley um, and then gets beat by them in overtime. So, you know, it's yeah. interesting. And, and again, you know, Valpo and Missouri state aren't going to play each other for a long, long time. But one of the things I always find interesting about Missouri state is in the four years that I've been around the Valley and the years that they're picked to finish high, they finish low and the years they are picked to finish low, they finish high. And I, as a reporter, I think that's just gotta be fun and maddening all at the same time. So you never really know. Um, how's, uh, how's Donovan Clay doing? Donovan Clay, I mean, he's, the, he's starting. He's a big defensive guy. He's not the highest scorer. I'd prefer not to see him shoot the ball from outside. Um, he, does, he does that sometimes, but um, it, it's not as much. I, I think he's a good piece on this team. He's a good athletic guy. He's not the star player. You, you have Gage Prim and Isaiah Mosley. Donovan's not going to be the star player of that team, um, but he's a big-bodied, athletic guy that should be um, a pretty good defender. But I mean, they've been all out of sorts defensively this year. That's one of the things that's held the Bears back, despite them having a. Um, despite, I mean, they had one of the more efficient offenses in the country and entering that Illinois State game the other day. Um, but defensively, I mean, they gave up. They gave up ninety-nine points to a. Um, to a, to a SEMO team that almost lost to NAIA Missouri Baptist recently. Um, so, so you kind of look at that and you're just like, okay, where's uh, the defense isn't looking that good. Um, but I don't think there's any complaints about Donovan really in the way he plays. Uh, right now he's, um, he's a 49% shooter. A lot of that's coming from the inside, four of 11 from three. Um, so he's, he's kind of toned back on taking some of those as we might have saw opening night. But um, and the way the Bears offense plays, he's allowed to play some of that guard spot because a lot of it's just kind of going through gauge at the middle and a lot of cuts and everything to where Donovan can have that. It's just a matter of defending. And the whole team hasn't really been that good at defending. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to kind of just take a look at, at how he's kind of moving into that team. I saw I watched a little bit of the game. He was defending a lot down low, which, uh, again, I, I got the sense he wanted to be more out on the perimeter. But, um, you know, he, he's a scrapper. He's a he's a player. Um, I wanted to ask about Dana for a second. And, you know, I, I, I tried to get Lodic the other day to get into this. I asked Matt about playing a conference game in December and and Matt kind of said, 
you know, what, it doesn't matter. What am I supposed to do? We all have to do it. Yada, yada, yada. I could tell from his tone that he wasn't a fan, but you know, he, he played the Valley company line. Dana, I think has been pretty outspoken about this, right? Like he, and, and I can only imagine losing is only going to make that more prevalent. What was, what was his take on playing a conference game, you know, six games into the season, basically. Yeah, Dana's been against it. Um, he's been outspoken against this since the schedule was announced. So um, that's around August to where we're saying, hey, this Valley game in early December, well, what the hell? <laughs> and, and he's just like, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, he's, they, he said that the Valley was trying to create an open date in the end of December where they thought they could get buy games or a few teams thought they could get buy games for that when so happened that Missouri State was trying to get a buy game for this early December date to where they could have been paid money to go play another team. So instead of that, they get this Illinois State team um, early on, a team that they should have beaten, a team that when you look at the Bears' expectations compared to the Redbirds, that's a game that you circle as a must win, and they didn't win. But Dana was really not really – I mean, he never took the company line. He he was just kind of like this is – uh, this was a bad idea. I didn't like this. And, and it's come out that that game that they were trying to get for that early descent for this early December date was Baylor defending national champions going to Baylor. Um, you're going to get some money there. You're going to get flown out there and everything. Um, but Missouri state was, had to scrap that to play a Valley game. And instead they're going to play and they couldn't find a game at the end of December to get that buy game like the rest of the Valley thought they could get when the rest of the Valley didn't really get anything too impressive. And then Missouri State's now playing Evangel. Evangel's uh, the NAIA school here. Yeah. Now. So you're, you're instead of getting the money to go play the national champions, you're playing against the in-school NAIA team where you could have been getting money and now you're paying like 2000 bucks so you can pay for them to drive across town. So it, it's, I know, I know that's incredibly frustrating. I don't blame him. I think it's been, I think I, I respect that he's been able to uh, just kind of stand his ground there. And he hasn't been, he's, he's, he was one of the lone, he, he said there might've been one other that voted against it, but uh, he, he's like, I don't care. I was like, I would have, I was the only one if I had to be. So then uh, like, we, we joke a lot on Twitter about the Valley, right? About, uh, oh, did you know Larry Bird went to Indiana State? Did what? You know? <laughs> Who knew? What? What? He did. Did you know that Sister Jean was a thing at Loyola? <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard this by now, but Loyola isn't going to be a part of the Valley. Next I know. Wow. What not a not going to be a part of the Valley. So, I mean, Sister Jean <laughs> is going to have to go over to the A-10 and I, I, I've never heard this before until the other day when I was covering Missouri State, but Isaiah Mosley and Jamonte Black went to the same high school. They went to the same high school. Yeah. Do you know that three guys on Valpo's team went to Wisconsin? What? Uh, <laughs> it's, so it's just, it's so fun to me to see kind of how the Valley gets looked at, you know, and, 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 and Wyatt, I know that yeah, I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, Valpo was the king of this every time from 1999 until, I mean, maybe even today, right? I, I think the game the other night against Drake might have been the first time in a long time that they didn't show Bryce Drew's the shot from the 1998 NCAA tournament during the game. Now, when Bryce Drew was the head coach, it always made sense, right? Um, 
But uh, it's just interesting the way that people fall back on these things. Um, the Valley is going to change, though. Uh, Loyola is on the way out. Belmont's on the way in. And there's a whole cornucopia of other schools that are are being linked to the Valley right now. Um, from stuff like UIC in Chicago to UT Arlington in Dallas to maybe UMKC to maybe Nebraska Omaha. Lord knows what, you know, in other schools we've, we've, we've heard out there. What's your take on all of this? And especially being in Missouri State with Kansas City uh, being a possibility, I'd imagine that Missouri kind of enjoys, Missouri State enjoys kind of having the conference to themselves in the state, correct? They do. And I can't imagine UMKC getting in as long as Missouri State's in this conference <laughs> because uh, Cliff Smart, the president of Missouri State, running the uh, uh, expansion committee, uh, just kind of going from school to school, exploring all these different options. Um, Missouri State wants to be the only one. They like having the alumni support from Kansas City. They like uh, they, they don't they don't really they like it when they can crack a Kansas City star headline um, they, because of something they did instead of some instead of um, just kind of a regular game against UMKC. So. Missouri State, I can't imagine Missouri State really going for that. And UMKC probably also seems at the lower tier of that as well. So I think that plays in their favor when you look at, um, I, I believe they're playing their home games right now in a recreational center that seats 1,500. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, they're playing where um, where the frat kids are playing on every other night. So it's, uh, I can't see UMKC. Illinois, Chicago is the one that I've, that I heard, uh, just kind of a week or so ago leading up to the CBS sports report, uh, here recently that Illinois, Chicago is the one that's picking up steam. It's very diverse. Uh, you have, you're bringing Chicago back in, you're not losing Chicago, uh, you look at their budget compared to some of the other Valley schools that are public. Um, and it's a, it's a similar budget. It's above, in, I believe it's above Indiana state and just kind of in that lower tier, but uh, on par with some of what you see in the Valley. So um, that one, I think is making more and more sense in a way. I don't know if sense is the right word, but it's uh, something that's picking up a little more steam. I know that uh, the UIC hopes the UIC hopes to have the uh, uh, valley on campus sometime this month, and then you look at Murray State's always the one that's going to float out there. That's been that's right. Out. That's the one. I was yeah, that's was the one that's been float out there ever since Valpo's joined. And um, really, the, I, I wonder how much the league kind of regrets that, um, considering that Murray State was able to put together that little run with John Morant. Uh, to where to where the valley missed out on having that exposure. So I, I don't know if regrets the right word there, but um, that, that's something that kind of hangs over that to where Murray State. It, it seems like the logical mid-major type, valley type school. Uh, it's just the markets, Murray, Kentucky, um, and, and there's and uh, there's nothing else around there. It's not the the highest. It's not the most highest income place. Um, in the country, it's it kind of falls in line with a lot of uh, um, just kind of the, those Ohio Valley schools, um, kind of in that region. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's I've heard that the Valley wants to get up to thirteen or fourteen teams. Um, so if if these are their options, that's what they're going they're going to go after them and make sure they're not going to uh, go down to tank if they were to lose some of these teams. I know Missouri State's been one that people are afraid of. I don't think it's going to happen right now. 
Well, that's um, what I wanted to ask you about this too, yeah. because I thought it was interesting that Cliff Smart again is kind of heading up the expansion committee while we're hearing rumblings about this. And um, and and I think if there is a reason why Missouri State would go, and this is this starts to get beyond my valley experience is a lot of the missouri valley football conference stuff which i i mean valpo has a football team but they don't play any valley schools right so i don't even like i don't pay attention i saw todd golden the other day uh he was here for a volleyball tournament at valpo and we were talking a little bit about football and i'm like i don't even think about that right so like how important is kind of missouri state's football in regards to maybe looking somewhere else well, that's the driving force of this. It's always football with this conference expansion, um, except for the Valley's case, because when Belmont was able to add on to a pretty strong basketball uh, conference and Loyola's being able to move to a, you know, a pretty good basketball conference. But if Missouri State's going to make a move, it's going to be because of football. Um, and Missouri State, I mean, is only just starting to get a taste of football success. Uh, two seasons under Bobby Petrino, both seasons end in playoff appearances. Um, and before that, the Bears had gone um, 31 years without a playoff appearance. So it's been dreadful. I mean, it was one in 10, it was a one in 10 team and um, some of the worst days in program history before Petrino got here. Um, so Missouri State, this administration is really getting their first taste of success and they're starting to see what kind of um, what, what, what they're trying to see what kind of rewards they could get. The, what's the, what can take the university to the next level? Um, and FBS football is, uh, is a part of looking at that just because you know how much some of the money uh, comes into that with bowl games, with, comp, with uh, streaming and television payouts and just all of that, that they're not getting right now. Um, and, and, you, and it's not a, it's not as big of a, just looking at the success of the programs. It's more seeing where does your school fall in line with a lot of these other schools when it comes to this. So Missouri state's budget kind of does fall in line with some of the conference USA schools, but does Missouri state help bring that to another level as conference USA, a, pro, a conference you want to jump into when it hasn't been very stable and everybody jumped for the Sunbelt for, for, uh, here recently. So I think it's something they're going to continue to explore. They're going to continue to invest in, especially they're, they're looking into a $20 million project at the football stadium to build a big facility with offices and club seating and everything. Uh, so they're going to continue to try to get those facilities up to par to the point where if somebody asks in the future, Missouri State, you ready to go, uh, they'll be ready and say, hey, we got the facilities um, and, and we and they're starting to build a pretty good program to the point where um, they can maybe go compete in some of this. So I don't know if that happens now. There's a lot of work that has to do that stadium, a lot of facelifting. Um, but it, I, I think that's uh, it's something Missouri State's going to continue to look at. And I think it'd be wrong for them to not look at it because it, you got to see what the money's out there and try to grow your university when it's the biggest when it's the biggest school enrollment wise yeah. uh, in this conference. So I, it makes sense when you look at it from just kind of a university standpoint. I want to shift back to basketball for a second, because uh, you talk about biggest, I think one of the biggest opportunities for the Valley to get a marquee non-conference win comes up on Saturday. Um, how rare is it for Missouri state to get a top 12 team in the country to come into the gym? 
they've never done it before on a non-league from a non-league um this will number 12 team in the country will be the highest ranked non-league team to ever come through jqh arena um of course they had wichita state and creighton come back come through in years past uh, wichita state's been as high as six coming through uh jqh so um this is I mean, it's not even rare. It's never happened before. So, I mean, they, they were able to land some like Arkansas back in the day when they were ranked like 15 and some, some other ways like that. Uh, but this never happened. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. I've heard that the crowd's going to be pretty good, even after that disappointing loss and with a pretty angry fan base right now. So that's good to see. It's just, uh, and BYU coming off a loss to Utah Valley the other night as well. So that's really surprising. Um, but you still, it's still going to be a 12 next to their name when they come through. Um, so, so that can give you some hope. Um, Missouri State will be without DeMarcus Sharp. He has a, fa- a family. Um, but then, and he's also dealing with some leg injury stuff. Um, that, that's kind of been kind of weird to start off his year. Something called hot spots that I'm really just trying to learn what that is in the lake uh, can turn into a stress fracture if it's not t- taken care of right. Um, so I, I want to uh, actually, I, I want to get to something really serious here for a second. So Missouri state does a good job of hyping up their games. Um, and this game is a blackout game, but it's also the NCAA trophy tour. Are you going to go get your picture taken with the NCAA trophy? You, you broke that news to me. No idea. <laughs> no idea that was coming. <laughs> well, let me, let me wet your appetite for a little bit more. The Oral Roberts game is going to be 80s day. I can't wait to see what you wear for that. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, Western night against South Dakota State. The ugly sweater night against Central Arkansas. But now in conference play, it gets real fun. Uh, Against Northern Iowa, it's friends night. Against Illinois State, it's the office night. What do we got against Valpo? Give me something good. Superhero game against Valpo. What superhero are you going to dress like on February 12th for the Valpo game in Springfield, Missouri. See, no, the thing is that they put these on here and nobody, nobody does them. Um, <laughs> well, you you know, have to set the tone, Wyatt. That's what nobody does them. So, I mean, uh, that superhero night, I think. Lumberjack Valpo, night against Indiana State. I think for superhero game against Valpo, I think I'll go in a Donovan Clay jersey just to troll a little bit. I think you're going to have think, to. I think that's the right move there. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're going to have to. If I, that's a Saturday, that's a, that feels like a game I can get to, I think. I would um, – I mean, Peter Parker, I think, is what you have to do, right? You know, oh, tights and everything? Love to see that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I got to get my, uh, my, my Springfield uh, Ozarks body in shape here. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, Space Jam and Sneaker Night against Evansville. That's uh, – this is great. I love, I love these. I wish they would hype them up more because these are good. I'm glad I broke you the news that, uh, Oh, I mean, NCAA trophy tour. I mean, that's going to be a selfie tomorrow. Um, then eighties day oral Roberts. I mean, hopefully Missouri state doesn't lose by 80 that day. So it's, uh, <laughs> well, I hope we see you in Valpo on January 15th because they serve alcohol at the arc now. So there we go. There, yeah. So for the so for the Donovan Clay revenge game, you can have a Michelob Ultra while you type up your story in uh, in the media room after the game. No, I think I'll need it after that one. If the season goes the way it's gone so far, and with uh, the anger people are having, I'm going to need to. I might have to partake in some of that. 
Well, I'll see your Missouri State fan rage on Twitter and raise you Crusaders versus Beacons on my side of things. Oh, there we go. All right, Wyatt, thank you very much for joining. We'll look forward to seeing you here in a a month or so when, uh, when conference play gets back started. Thank you. Bring back the koalas. That's what I'm talking. Get let me in that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.